Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Absolute Game of Nerds with your non-geek, non-nerd hosts, JP and Rohan. And today's show is pretty special because we have a guest that's been a huge part of the collectible industry for a long period of time. And uh, today we have Mr. Steve Borok from Comic Link. Now, Steve's yeah, resume. Really? I, hey, Steve, we really appreciate you being here. But I, I, like I said earlier, your, your resume is quite profound. And I think uh, Rohan can do a much better job of introducing you than that quick one I just gave. So, Rohan, go ahead and give him a proper introduction. Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so we got, again, a titan of the industry here with Steve. Um, Steve is one of the founders of CGC. Then he started CBCS. And then I believe My Comic Shop. Uh, and then now he's with Comic Link. He's involved in a ton of things. You'll see him at cons all over the country. Uh, and again, just another great example of why the comic community is just so welcoming and amazing. I mean, I literally just messaged Steve and he just immediately was like, here's my phone number. Hit me up anytime. Uh, and then from there, we're like, well, let's get you on the pod. Um, we, I originally first, I, I messaged him after I saw him on Lawrence from Mighty Comics' podcast. And then Errol's right, always fun. Yeah, Errol's always uh, raving about Steve. And to kind of close the loop here, when we interviewed Errol, he talked about uh, the owner of Comic Link buying his AF-15, I believe, 7.0, which gave him the funds to buy his Superman 1. That man is Steve. Steve is with us now. Nice. It all comes full circle. So, Steve, say hello. How y'all doing? It's great to be here. Uh, you know, I love talking about our hobby. Uh, love talking about comics, comic art you know, pop culture, movies. Uh, so whatever you think that your audience would want to know about, that's what I'll talk about. Yeah, we, so, we want to we hear that. I have no that. agenda. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So we always start, see with just kind of like a comic book or comic-related origin story. So I imagine maybe this goes all the way back to your childhood. Kind of tell us about how you got into comics and where the love began. Oh, the love began right away. Um, my father used to commute from New York City to Long Island on the railroad. And uh, he would always, he, he liked comics as a kid and he wanted me to learn how to read. You know, I was very young. And um, he would bring home comic books, but he would only bring home DCs or Archies. Um, so I, I kind of grew up with those um, until yeah, I was about, eight, I guess. And then, you know, I found Marvel, which blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it was costing me a fortune. Uh, and I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of money. So there was this uh, unbelievable place in Manhattan, you can go back in the day, started by Phil Suling. It was called the Phil Suling Marketplace. It wasn't even called a convention. Um, <laughs> And it was in a horrible hotel like the Taft or the Roosevelt and always in the basement. And you could still smell uh, cigarettes and marijuana there. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, the 70s were kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was only able to afford half a table the first time I was 12. Uh, Ricky Feldman, my schoolmate, uh, he was into DC and I was more into Marvel. So it worked out well. Um, yeah, the table. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, Steve, what, uh, do you have yeah. what, what what year are we talking about relatively? Well, if I was twelve, that would be seventy four, seventy five, right? Okay, right on. Yeah, and uh, I was the kid in the room. You know, um, I got taken advantage of a little bit by some of the smarter 
people because, you know, I was like looking at a price guide and they're really looking at the marketplace. Right. Um, and I didn't buy any original art. I mean, I could have bought Kirby pages for like 10 bucks. Oh, uh, I just loved the uh, comics so much. Um, now I collect original art. Um, so then um, I was trading back and forth with some people, setting up at really small shows, and uh, then took a break. <laughs> I had a well-spent, misspent youth. I uh, followed the Grateful Dead around the country for a while and stuff, and then um, got back into comic books, was setting up. Uh, really what I was also doing was taking a lot of newbies under my wing so they wouldn't get ripped off by, you know, uh, Jay Maybrook, uh, Greg White, all these guys who were thieves. Um, but uh, it was, it was a, it wasn't easy selling comic books, uh, especially in the nineties, we had a bit of a dip and that's when I got pegged uh, for CGC. They went to the top dealers and top collectors, asked who they trusted and who could grade, who could tell restoration. And they gave me a call and I was like, man, you can't put comic books in plastic. No way. You know, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make sense. But then they showed me how it goes in coins and sports cards and how it protected people on eBay because my friends were getting raped on eBay back then. There wasn't much yeah. uh, rules in place, if you will, you know, um, and, you know, my friends were getting stuff without a centerfold. The guy wouldn't take it back or there was restoration. The guy said there wasn't and all that stuff. So uh, I grabbed Mark Haspel. Uh, he, he was comics on parade back in the day. He's young. Uh, well, it was young. Uh, we're older now, uh, you know, 1999. Um, but uh, he is a genius and he retains all this incredible information. So I pegged him and we thought we were just going to make the hobby safe. Uh, we were talking about it. Uh, actually, it's funny. Uh, Matt Nelson the president of CGC, Mark, the former president, and me, the former president, all hung out uh, a couple of weeks ago in Miami. I saw, I saw that photo. I saw that photo. Uh, yeah, it was cool, there. man. It, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it it's just uh, we, we thought we were going to save the hobby, which we actually, you know, CGC actually made a big comeback for the hobby. Uh, with prices. And then the Greg Manning auction happened, everything exploded, then Heritage and Comic Link. Um, well, first Comic Link, then Heritage. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Josh Nathanson was so smart. He saw the writing on the wall for certification and he was like, I'm in, I'm all in. But it took us a long time to sell it. Yeah. You know, um, some people told me to go away. I don't know if you remember the old CBM, but uh, comic book marketplace, uh, Gary Carter's. So, uh, so real quick, Steve, so just so you're, so JP and I both followed as kids in the nineties and then we had like a 30 plus year break and we just got back in last year. So, um, so when we, you say that's like, wild. Say, yeah. Yeah. It's so we don't have too much. So it's great to hear you talk about what I wanted to ask. So CGC calls you up prior to then 
you talked about you were selling at shows. Was that always like your main occupation? No, no. Have, I, was, I, was, I was working in the gold business for a long time. Okay. And then, so then where did you, so did you just learn how to grade just by being around comics and, and doing that on the side? Well, no, it's not just that. I mean, what's really important is the friendships you make in the hobby and yeah. you find out which people are honest and knowledgeable and you stick with them. And I mean, you know, Bob Overstreet taught me ethics and, and stuff about books and uh, the history. John Snyder, uh, the second, who worked at uh, Diamond Gemstone for Steve Jeppe, and Steve also uh, taught me a lot. Uh, we're, you know, Steve and I stayed really good friends, which is cool. Um, we text a lot. Um, but, um, I mean, it was really about the ethics and taking people, you know, under our wing and showing them that like, look, you know, uh, don't buy from this person anymore. You know, your books just came back restored, mm. you know, when they didn't know it mm. and they paid top dollar. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a, it was a wild ride. Um, but when, like I said, when they picked me, I, I said, I don't know, man, you know, <laughs> but, they said they would make the holder openable because I said the holder you're talking about, you can't open. And basically like it is today, <laughs> um, but uh, it was supposed to be tamper evident and openable because I said, look, people are buying this on eBay because they like to read comic books. Mm -hmm. It turned into something completely different. You know, you have the nine, eight chasers, uh, which, uh, I kind of understand. I was, you know, one of the top collectors in the world at one point uh, for more fun, adventure, timely. Well, timely's, you know, John Verzel had all the church copies, so I couldn't have the greatest ones. Yeah. But, you know, I owned uh, most timely's and most Golden Age DCs, Wonder Woman sensations. Uh, wow. Yeah, I never had a Detective 27. Oh. Um, it was always out of my reach somehow. Uh, and you know, I could have bought one for 70,000 back in Sotheby's and now it's, it's probably worth, uh, 2 million today, oh, <laughs> but you got to look back in kindness. You can't buy yeah, everything. Totally. Right. And you have to make the right decision and nobody has a crystal ball. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, whoever thought the first, uh, Morales would be yeah. worth so much money and, you know, it's well, wild, but that's might be the key for that generation, right? What? I mean, Hulk one eighty one was worthless. Yeah, when it came out. Well, JP and I talk about it all the time because you know Hulk one eighty one is a big book for us, and you know we look back when we were kids, and like I have a Marvel card that says price for Hulk one eighty one cover street nineteen ninety seventy five dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Um, you know, in the seventies, uh, I think. He, I mean, Wolverine exploded with giant size X-Men 1, but really exploded when Byrne took over because he was really into that character. And he wanted to make him better than he than he was. Uh, and he, as you know, Byrne did a fantastic job. Yeah. And then, of course, Miller came along later with the amazing four-issue series. Yeah. 
So of all those gems that you were talking about, what would you say at the time? Because I believe I heard you said once you started CGC, you sold off everything because you didn't want to be um, biased in any direction. So, But before you did that, what would right. you say was like your top, the top book that you had? Just curious. Well, I've owned two action ones. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah. Uh, I owned, uh, co-owned because uh, it was expensive uh, with one of my best friends in the hobby, uh, the Flash One church copy. Yeah. Uh, Morphin 52 church copy, the first Spectre, um, all sorts of great books. I mean, you know, I, I, I went through the Silver Age really easily. It was easy to find. So I had everything in high grade. Wow. And like I said, I was a high grade collector. So I had a lot of church copies, San Francisco's. Uh, I was the first person to see the Nova Scotia collection. I got first dibs. I spent $90,000. Uh, a little over, uh, back in, um, the nineties before oh, wow. certification. Um, I got some great books. I mean, detective, you know, 28, which, uh, sorry, 30, 30, which is such a hard book. That's the welder right on it. It's not a Batman cover. And yeah. so a lot of people didn't save it as much as they did the Batman covers. Um, but yeah, I got that first deal. I mean, uh, James Payette found the collection, said he owed me a favor and told me I can come on up to New Hampshire and I get first dibs, but everything was going to be double guide. And I said, fine, you know, and the only thing he wouldn't sell me was the Superman one because he had promised already uh, a great client that if he got one in and it was, you know, not high grade, he would sell it to him. And that was very nice. Jim, you know, is, you know, one of the leaders of, the industry. I mean, he's been doing it since what, 71 or 72. Um, well respected and very honest. Um, but, uh, you know, I had an amazing fantasy 15 and uh, probably like eight, five. Um, wow. Yeah. When I sold it, I thought I got a lot of money, but now, now once today. again, we don't have crystal balls. We, yeah. you know, <laughs> we wow. don't know what the future is going to hold. So let me ask you this now. So when you come into CGC, were they like, Steve, you know, you're starting from scratch, figure it out. Or were, was there already a structural place where they're like, okay, we want comic books graded at 0 0.5, 1.0, 1.5, 1.8, 2.0, all the way up to 9.8. And these are what pedigrees are. And, and then they wanted you to facilitate it. Or did you have to like come up with that whole, whole thing from scratch? Yeah. Mark Hasplin, I spent basically the whole year of 1999 working on the holder, working on standards. What I did was uh, I told CGC it couldn't be Steve Borok grading. Uh, I was a tougher grader than most people because I was really picky. I was, you know, you know young and dumb. But anyway, uh, so what we did was we went out and we got a stack of comic books. Uh, a games file copy, you know, EC. Um, we got uh, uh, like a near mint Spidey 120. Uh, then we got like a uh, 0 0.5 Batman 18. Also, you know, ran all the rent. Uh, great. Spectrum, yeah. Right. And um, so uh, we went to some of the top dealers and some of the top collectors and we had them grade them. And we averaged it out. I mean, anything that was crazy, we threw out. 
you know, we didn't want skewing the grading scale. Uh, the grading scale came about uh, from meetings with uh, CGC, a uh, lot of Overstreet advisors, Steve Jeppe, Bob Overstreet, John Snyder. Um, um, there was one gentleman, ah, I'm, my brain is fried from the last weekend at WonderCon, but, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Hamilton, that's it. He was very instrumental in getting that together. He, you know, he was a, a force in this hobby, you know. Um, I've been, I was very lucky, you know, to be a young kid and the right people giving me advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really helped. Uh, so like I said, it's all about the community. We need to make... Uh, friends with the right people, stay friends, don't worry about the money. It's yeah. about the comics and the friendships. So actually, you, you said something that uh, interesting. So you said in 1999. So then when I think about it, CGC officially came out publicly, I think, was it 2001? So no, how many, 2000. 2000. Okay. So when you first got that call from CGC, what year was that? That was either late 98 or early 99 i can't remember. okay so Sorry. roughly a year year and a half we'll say that took you guys to kind of get everything going and put together. yeah i would say a year okay definitely um but you know we had to figure out uh at the time you know barracks was the best thing to use but that's for food and for medical supplies that have shelf lives mm -hmm. um the barracks should be changed every eight to 10 years. It used to say that on the CGC label. I don't know why they took it off. Um, it, you know, more, the more information we have, the better off the hobby is. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, when I started CBCS, we found PETG, which doesn't have to be changed. And um, you don't have to put the microchamber in it. And if the microchamber is stored incorrectly uh, for a long period of time without being changed, uh, that too could change the color of the pages uh, that it's uh, against. Um, we never used uh, microchamber at, at uh, CBCS. Got it. Wow. Yeah, that's something I just learned about was the fact that they have to be changed every eight years or something mm -hmm. and i don't know how i know some of the books i recently got that are graded that were done in 2020 but i have to go back and check them all to see when they have to be resubmitted because i have one cbcs book and i was looking at another one recently i'm glad to know that that uh, those ones don't need to be changed um but yeah it's crazy i, I thought they were preserved for, for, for life that's what the reason to get that you know, right, liberated. right. And, you know, I had to manage people's expectations when we were open. Yeah, it would be astronomically and, cost, you know, cost prohibitive to do something like that. Right. I mean, right. And, and, and you know, I, I never lie or break a handshake. So I have to be so honest when I was selling it. I was saying, look, you know, yeah, 10 years from now, you probably have to change it out. Um, some people didn't like that. But they sure love the prices they're getting for certified books, so it didn't stop them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the, the thing of it, send the book back in at least, you know, that's a question I have for CBCS later. But with CGC, when you send them back in, 
you know, they have all these labels that you can get added on to your book at that time. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it worth it to do that. Um, that's, you know, a question I have is when CBCS might be getting the labels and what the holdup is and why CGC going back to them doesn't have any DC labels. You know, it's all Marvel. Um, they couldn't get the um, agreement done with DC. They were able to get it done with Marvel. Oh, but, I, I mean, was wondering, I was wondering if like Marvel's part of Marvel's deal was like, this is an exclusive thing only with Marvel and therefore. Not from what from, I've heard. I uh, heard they just couldn't get, you know, the deal done. Uh, but in, in this I, time frame, I, you know, I wasn't party to that. In this time frame, for them not to get, for DC not to get on the, the bandwagon, I don't know what they're waiting for. They must, the $5 extra that CGC charges, I guess, wasn't enough for DC, but I think that's a big miss for them. And I don't know if CBCS could get the opportunity to bring in DC, Valiant, I don't know, you name the uh, the comic book company and, and uh, having custom labels is definitely a, uh, a draw for some people. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, we did a custom label at CBCS to try it out with uh, my good friend and amazing artist, Stuart Sager. Um, and it did really well for him. But I had to leave CBCS. Uh, they took me off the convention floor. They took me off talking to the big players. Uh, they weren't listening to my suggestions. They took me off advertising all sorts of stuff. And I just you said, like being you know, involved. Well, right. I'm like, well, why did you hire me? Yeah. You know? So Steve, you know. real quick, talk about how long were you at CGC? And then how did you, did like Beckett call you up and be like, Hey, we want to start no, another one. No, how how no. did that all come about? I, I wouldn't have left CGC for another company. I was very loyal to them. Uh, I just got burnt out of grading. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot out of you. Uh, so that's when I went to Heritage. Okay. And, you know, so it was, you know, amicable party. Um, and then when I started CBCS, it wasn't so amicable. But uh, uh, I don't think that CBCS is going to rival CGC at this point. I think it's a great thing to have competition in the hobby. But... Um, I'm not sure they understand that they need the hobby and the hobby doesn't need them. Mm. And right. uh, it, it, like they said, like I said, they took me off of doing PR, which is what, you know, even though I was bringing in a lot of consignments for Heritage, that's what they wanted me to do, too, is a lot of PR. And that's what CGC did. And I brought in a lot of people because even though they didn't trust certification, they trusted me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I just split. <laughs> wow. Now, so, did you, were you, when did you leave uh, uh, CBCS? Was that last year, like within the last year? Uh, I'd say it's a year ago. Okay. So it wasn't, um, the, the big issue with CGC last year was acetate gate. You remember hearing about that, yeah. right? I, that was the invisible comics. No, no, that was the one oh, where they, yeah. they, they doctored the uh, ultimate fallout. They stapled on an extra cover on top. And so there was oh, like God. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Um, yeah. Same thing with that those invisible books. comic that they were selling. Yeah, I, that was, I, I that was like, too. this is not about the hobby. This is not good for the hobby. You no, know, it was, um, it, I'm against all of that. Uh, it, it was terrible. And it was a good opportunity for, for CG, or CBCF to jump in at that point. Like you said, they were missing the boat, right? That's yeah. the time you jump in. 
and maybe take take the reins at that point and become the main you know the main trusted um you know grader of books exactly we had a great three-year run um the first when we first opened um people were you know i mean we did we graded the suspense three church copy the suspense three san francisco uh did the magic woo collection with that uh you know it was all high grade but that spider-man 14 was so close to a nine nine we still gave it the nine eight it was <laughs> unbelievable white pages the whole bit um and uh also i, I couldn't get uh cbcs to work with the hero initiative which i'm very involved with and i really believe in and we could talk about that later, but um, there were so many things going the way I wouldn't have wanted it to go And once we sold to Beckett. And when I say sold to Beckett, uh, I didn't get much. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that Beckett bought it. I thought Beckett was like, we need a comic book wing and started it up. Okay. No, no, no. I started it with uh, my partner at the time, but... He told me he had all these investors and all this money. And then like two and a quarter years into it, I'd say, he was worried that we weren't making money. And I was like, well, I told you, CGC didn't make money for five years. And we're the underdog. You know, where's right. all this investor money? And he's like, well, the investors were just there to put in the initial stuff. And I'm putting in the rest. And I don't want to keep doing this. And I was, you know. I was screwed. I, you know, I didn't know what to do. Um, so I agreed to move to Dallas and work with CBCS and the powers that be there didn't want my opinion about the hobby, didn't want my opinion about advertising, uh, didn't uh, listen to me when I said, you know, we have to get these magazine holders out quick, you know, um, it's been what six years now, you know, that they or seven maybe uh, that they've been promising uh, magazine holders. You know, um, they announced it that it was coming and did nothing. <laughs> uh, it, it was just it was not a good fit for me. I just wanted to be amongst the, you know the hobbyists and the fans and my friends and. Why are you back in the hobby? You yeah. know, being on the convention floor, helping people make money, helping people avoid traps, things like that. Nice. So, so oh, go ahead, JP. No, go ahead, Rowan. I was going to say, so from CBCS, C, oh, CBCS. <laughs> Too many next, acronyms. It's like banking yeah. here. <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the next stop was my comic shop then, or was it back? Yeah, the Saunders family is amazing. We we're really good friends. Uh, I spend every OFCON with them, uh, which is a really tiny old school show in Oklahoma, but I get to be a fanboy. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, I really wanted to come back uh, to Florida. I was tired of living in small apartments where I have a big house here in Florida that I bought when I was with CGC. And uh, my grandkids are now uh, four and six, and we have one on the way. And I right. didn't want to miss them growing up. Uh, so I spoke to my comic shop, and at first they were really cool. 
But then um, they decided that they wanted somebody in the house to help look at the books and things like that, even though I worked remote for, you know, Heritage and made the millions, you know. Um, me, I brought in the Todd McFarlane uh, stuff. I brought in the Miracle Man stuff. I brought in the Maggie Thompson collection. I, I mean, I even convinced Doug Schmell of Pedigree Comics to auction his stuff through us instead of his own auction house. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. but <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but, nice. uh, Quite a salesman. Yes. Well, I don't know about being just a salesman. I'm just really honest with people on what they can do and what they can make or what they can't make. Uh, you know, I have to uh, sometimes really talk to people about their expectations. You know, especially because somebody will come to me and say, oh, this just sold for, you know, $80,000. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll take it in, but I don't know if you're going to get 80. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, the guy who wanted it most spent 80. We don't know if it was two guys battling it out from 65 to 80. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can't go by things like GPA. Yeah. Right. Um, which GPA is, is no longer what it was because so many people don't resubmit their books with the, the Yeah, the pro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, I think it was an FF2, a really big player had a 9 2. And he kept resubmitting it. Um, oh, going to get a higher grade? Get a higher grade. I didn't know this. I mean, you know, there's no tag with it. It's just a comic book. And it was six months later after I graded the last one. Well, there was five FF2s in 9-2 in on GPA and on the census. No, sorry, not GPA, but the census. And so the census was skewed. And so when somebody would buy something, they would they wouldn't know it was only two copies out there, not, mm -hmm. you know, six or whatever it was. So I think um, now now don't you you don't have to, I guess, probably. But doesn't CGC ask if you are recently something that you send in the label with it that way they can pull it off the census? Right. They do. And um, it, it just took people time to learn uh, to do that. Uh, some people are too lazy, some people are too scared, and a lot of uh, major players send in um, tags when they've accumulated 25 or 30. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they're still on the census, yep. right? And uh, that skews things. So, uh, yeah, so I actually have a ton of questions about the whole auction site. So why don't we, let's talk, so you're at uh, Comic Link now, yeah. Um, how did that come about? You were at my comic shop and then they didn't want you to work remote. And so you said, okay, you know, I need to look for something that works here in Florida and then comic link, I assume. Well, yeah, I mean, um, Josh Nathanson and I, like I said, have been great friends, you know, basically since he started. Um, he's actually been kind enough to call me his mentor at times, uh, which is really flattering because he's a genius and he's really smart at what he does. Um but uh, when I said I was leaving my comic shop, uh, Josh reached out to me. We've been talking about working together for many years. It just, the stars never aligned. And 
now they have. So I've done a few conventions with them, um, getting great feedback. People are really happy I'm at Comic Link. Um, you know, look, there's the only, uh, you know, it's, it's the only place where it's like, here's 10%. We're not negotiating, right? Mm. You know, at Heritage, I had to negotiate a lot. You know, you could get anywhere from uh, giving away 40% to 11, right? Um, but somebody pays for those catalogs, right? <laughs> and it's not them. Yeah. It's, right. it's okay. the sellers and the buyers, right? Yep. And because they have such a high buyer's premium, 20%, if I'm going to bid on something for $10,000, I'm only going to bid 8200 You know, that's that's a huge swing. You know, yep. with Comic Link, you know, it's 10%. You want it for $100,000, bid ninety. You know, yeah. and that's it. There's no games. Yeah. So it's 10% for the seller and the buyer. Is that correct? No, no, no. 10% for the seller. Just the seller. There's no buyer's premium. Uh, if you use a credit card, uh, we oh, allow yeah. credit cards to be used under $10,000. Um, then there's a 3% charge because we work on 10%. Yeah. And we can't eat that. You know, that's, yeah. this is, you know, 10% low. You talk to the dealers and they're working on anywhere from, you know, 40% to 70% margins. Okay. So then my question would be, so if you sell a book for $10,000, Comic Link takes 1,000 and then the seller, the person who owned the book takes the nine? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and then is there like a sliding scale at all? Like if, you know, if you're selling a million dollar book, is it still just 10% or is yeah, it? Yeah, just 10%. Um, I mean, we get crazy prices. So we don't worry about, mm -hmm. you know, having to give somebody 9%. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I, I guess if um, I, I'd have to speak to Josh, I'm talking out of school, but I'm wondering if like, you know, a uh, $10 million collection came in, if we would do something a little different, but it's, it hasn't hurt us at all. Yeah. It's actually well, helped us quite a bit. How do you, how do you guys acquire, like, what's the process of acquiring a collection or, you know, an action one that like, is comic like now big enough where people just are reaching out to you guys? Hey, I got this to sell. I got this to sell. Or do you have to go out there and be actively, you know, talking to people, finding out what's going on, who's selling what, or how, how does that game work? Well, that's the game actually. You kind of described it. You know, we go to conventions, we talk to people, we get collections, but yes, I mean, we get, we have, I mean, I don't know, a stupid amount of bitter, uh, people, uh, that bid with us and can sign with us. I mean, we're talking about, you know, I think a few hundred thousand, yeah. you know, it's crazy. And we deal with people all over the world, which is wonderful. Um, but also I have a lot of connections. Josh has a lot of connections. Douglas Gillock, our vice president, who's fantastic, really smart too, um, has, a lot, has made a lot of connections. He was the first hire that Josh ever did. Um, mm -hmm. And he's exploded the place with Josh. Um, and uh, so I'm on the phone, I'm on emails, I get uh, messages through Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, people reach out to me or, um, or I'm on a 
chat board and somebody sends me, uh, you know, something like I got something to sell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is, is uh, Comic Link and Heritage, the two auction sites, I know there's more than that, but Heritage is the one I hear about. I heard about the most for when I first got in back into it. And since that time, Comic Link has been a name it's come up numerous times. So, oh yeah, I mean, we're the top two auction houses. And it, um, is there a chance you guys could be top dog, given the fact that you're charging less? There's no buyer's premium, and if you're working the room, getting those top collections, I mean, that's going to be that's probably going to be the reason, right? I mean, that's well, I'd love to see it, uh, but uh, Heritage, uh, like I said, they can work on a forty percent margin sometimes, so they put out catalogs, which of course you pay for, but, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, they negotiate down at times, depending on what you have. Uh, it's a great place. Don't get me wrong. I, I think heritage is, you know, I, I'm very good friends with Jim Halpern and his son, Mikey, and, uh, you know, Ed Jaster, the senior vice president there, he and I kind of grew up on the convention floor in our, uh, late 20s and 30s um uh, we were running around just trying to buy you know all these church copies and san francisco's and larson's and we were having a blast uh back then too uh i know the word flipper is uh pretty bad these days but the only way you could keep getting money for your collection is if you found a great book that you didn't want, but the price was fantastic right, and you yeah. could sell it to somebody to pay for the more fun comic I wanted, or I could trade it for the adventure comic I wanted. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't so much flipping, flipping, but you could do it at the show. Mm -hmm. You know, there was oh, no yeah. certification. So I'd see somebody he has the hit five uh, underpriced, uh, I would walk it all the way across the room to somebody like, I don't know, Harley or whoever, and I'd sell it for a few thousand more. Yeah. <laughs> it so was crazy. So Steve, was, real, real quick, yeah. before we, we go on, just, I've had a lot of uh, listeners that have commented back saying things like, you know, can you sometimes explain some of the things that you're talking about? And so just so people are clear. So when Steve's saying church copy, Nova Scotia copy, what oh, he's talking sorry. about what he's talking about is a pedigree and what a pedigree is, is essentially kind of to keep it simple is like these historic landmark collections that have been found typically mostly golden age, but there are silver age ones. Oh, um, sure. So the first he, silver age was uh, the white mountains, which was in the first yeah. Sotheby's in 1990. Yeah. So when you hear Steve say church copies, there's a, a guy named Edward church whose collection was found by Chuck Rosansky of mile high. So there's Ed church mile high collection. It's like the most famous pedigree. Uh, but yeah, that's what he's referring to. So just so people are aware, I just wanted to throw that. Oh, out sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no I, mean, okay. I, I knew what you're saying, but yeah. <laughs> some, some yeah, I mean, if I'm not explaining things correctly to your audience, yeah. please let me do that. Yeah. You know. Um, so Steve, my next question is, so then on Comic Link, explain what are the various like platforms or low? Because like, obviously, if you're going to sell at Tech 27, it's going to be at the premier. Yeah, it'll be at the premier auction. We lost him here. Rohan lost yeah, him. Yeah, he's frozen. But basically, um, you know, the art and the comics, uh, we have, I, I think there's something almost every week. But there's, you know, the, the featured auction, there's the focused auction. And then we also have, which a lot of people 
uh, don't seem to know about uh, is we have uh, a certified link. And for that's so that's for certified cards, video games, VHS, uh, all that stuff. Um, and we're doing real well at that. Uh, but uh, yeah, That's I mean, the they, they basically, uh, we also have something called the exchange, which yeah. I've been talking to dealers about lately. They didn't really know about it. And what's really cool is that you put it on the exchange, but you just put up the photo and the price you want. And if you want, if you're taking offers, you can put that up too, but you hold on to the book. So the dealer, if it hasn't sold on our site, can sell it by himself and he's just getting double exposure. But um, it's worked out really well for some people. We have people who only want to do the exchange. Um, Yeah, auctions better, uh, especially if you do no reserve. If you do reserve auctions, they a little tricky, you know. People look at you and say, uh, look at the piece, I mean, and say, well, the guy has it at 30,000 reserves, so maybe that's all it's worth. Why should I spend more? And you start something at a dollar, all these people start bidding up, right? It's fantastic. Um, And uh, then the auction goes live that, you know, that night for that session and uh, things explode, especially the last, you know, 15 seconds yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen, seen things go up five times. You See, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever feel pressure that like you're going to sell some big book and like, is there any pressure like, oh, I hope everyone sees this, or is there any pressure that like no one's going to know and like, therefore the bidding won't be as like competitive or you won't get the numbers you want? Like, is there ever any pressure? Oh no, that? we do we do quite a bit of PR and I've okay. been uh, really heavy on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and podcasts, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, so we pump the stuff and I, I mean, I'm not going to, uh, post, uh, an Avengers, you know, 103 in VG, right. Um, we're not going to make enough money on off of that for me to take my time and promote it. But, you know, I've, I've promoted five, you know, $500 books because I think it's cool, you know? Um, oh, wow. There's one coming up. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so, you know, why don't we uh, talk about a few of the kind of like premiere type items that you got here. So we've got here, it's a Adventure Comics. What is that? A 95. Pedigree. Yeah. Yep. Which pedigree is this? What pedigree is that? Can, I can't tell. D Snow. I can't see it on there. You know, I I think it's the Promise Collection. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see the P there. I think you're right. Pro- now, what is the Promise Collection? This is a great story, how this one came um, about. Well, um, it, it's a weird story. Uh, it was the first pedigree found in a long time. Um, it had some unbelievable books, and it was deep. But it was, uh, it was during COVID, right? And everybody, you know, was buying like crazy. They were getting money from the government or business loans from the government. They were stuck at home. They weren't going out for dinner. They weren't going out clothes shopping unless they needed something. Um, They were stuck in front of their computers and people went 
crazy. Um, uh, but it, the prices were nuts um, on a lot of the pieces. And some people have tried to sell them now and, and not a nine four, you know, uh, that's, you know, going to kind of hold its own, but uh, you know, it's like an eight Oh or something. And they paid triple guide or not guide a uh, triple GPA. Right. Um, and then they're stuck with it. And if they need to sell it, they can't get out. Um, right now we're going through a correction because of COVID and all the money that was spent and people stuck at home, prices went up too high, too fast. So, uh, non key bronze, uh, in low grade, in mid grade is, uh, and even in high grade, some of them, uh, there's too many on the census. You know, I can go to a, a, a convention and I can throw a rock and hit a, a Hulk 181, right? But if I want to find uh, a centaur, um, I might not even see more than like four or five at a convention, a big convention, right? Yeah. You know, in a, in in high grade, you know, um, it, so there's a correction going on, and you know, it's uh, crazy. But there's no correction in the original art. Uh, it's been going up. Um, it's exploded. Yeah, like oh, that burn piece is gorgeous. That's coming to auction soon. All everything you're showing is going to yeah. auction. Soon. Now, why do you why do you use the the, the original art not having the correction like the comic books are why why is that a different animal oh because uh nobody can buy 20 copies of the same page yep. everything's right. one of one right and people have realized how rare it is and how beautiful it is um i mean back in the day when i was doing the phil suling shows like i said i could buy Kirby pages for like 10 bucks. Um, I mean, they were, weren't the best, but, <laughs> you know, they were great. Uh, and, you know, and you got to actually talk to Jack Kirby back then, which was cool and Roz. And, uh, but uh, the original art market is much smaller than the comic book market. Oh, I love that Frank Miller piece, man. That is so cool. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, but, uh, the prices just kind of keep going up because nobody went crazy with the art during COVID. There is, um, there's two pieces that went pretty crazy. The, the original Frank Miller from Dark Knight and the um, the Secret Wars. We I just thought. got that in, that Thanos cover. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's the original art? Yeah, oh, we, we got both covers, one and two. I only JP, did you just get one. this comic? I did. Really? Oh, it's, cool. it's, a it's a wonderful comic. JP yeah. will trade you his comic for this piece of original art. <laughs> yeah. It's I. It's funny. Not I got the, the comic from an online auction too. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So real quick on original art, Steve. Would it is it safe to say like a lot of original art is just long gone, thrown out? Like think about like oh yeah, like golden age original art. It just it just it doesn't exist anymore because it just got destroyed over the no, years. No, I mean there's golden age that exists, but. But a lot like, of it, I'm saying, a lot of it. Yeah, DC uh, in the 40s uh, told the younger people that were working there uh, to 
uh, cut them up and throw them out. So some of these oh, guys wow. were smart. And what they did was they cut along the top panel, then along the mid middle panel. So you have panels, right? So I have uh, uh, Joe and Nadia Manorino were really sweet, uh, good friends, uh, amazing people. Uh, they gave me one of those strips of Wonder Woman because I knew I was a Wonder Woman collector. Oh, I, I couldn't believe I had an H.G. Peters, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. You know, it's unheard of. But uh, stuff, you know, comes to market that nobody knew existed. People bought them, you know, 40 years ago when they weren't worth anything. They just liked it. Stopped collecting. They now are going to retire they want a retirement fund and all of a sudden we're like wow you had this tales of the crypt cover you know nobody knew where it was yeah so it's it's really interesting yeah it's, i mean so like like for example so i want to talk about this book too as well but like oh it's great yeah best cover <laughs> imagine like does he do we even think the original art for this cover which is uh, for those that can't see it's tech 31 the iconic batman overlooking the mountain cover do we think that this original art cover exists? I have no clue. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. That would um, be something, man. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, in the late 50s and 60s, early 60s uh, to mid 60s, I guess, um, DC would actually send you, if you wrote a letter in and they published it, uh, they would actually send you a piece of art. Like oh. Sanders showed me this great Murphy Anderson, uh, Infantino Murphy Anderson, uh, Adam Strange splash that DC just sent him, you know, for oh. writing in. That's awesome. That'd be cool if they did stuff like that still. That'd be yeah, sweet. right. <laughs> but those, but the artists need to make money. I mean, that's why I work with the Hero Initiative because the older artists didn't get big money for their art and they were getting paid to, you know, get work out quick. Right. Um, I mean, it's funny. I, I was helping Don Perlin, a uh, great artist, nice guy, um, sell his collection of art he kept. And he was telling me stories, which was fantastic. I was in fanboy heaven. Right. <laughs> and, he said that, you know, he always used an eraser, wanted to make sure the lines were correct. Uh, but then he noticed after a while that John Buscema, who we could see from where he was, never used an eraser. <laughs> and so he asked uh, John, he says, why don't you ever use an eraser? He goes, because they pay me to draw, not erase. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so with the Hero Initiative, we're, you know, we're helping these people who didn't make money, who's making, you know, who the dealers are making money, the, you know, movies are making money. Uh, but they were doing work for hire and that was it, you know. So we should, we have to take care of the people that, you know, came before us and gave us all the stuff we love. So what what is the, if you want to give me more details on the here initiative? So what exactly are like what is an example of you raise money to cover? Oh, you know? we, but right. Well, so we raise money to cover housing, uh, medical expenses, food, transportation. Uh, some 
some of these guys are, you know, very old and they need a lot of medical and they can't afford it uh, because they did work for hire and they didn't save their art and sell it. Right. I mean, you think about like Walt Simonson will never need help. He's he keeps all of his art, you know, the Thor art and stuff. And it's got to be worth, you know, millions. Right. (laughs) Um, And so we won't need to help him, hopefully. Knock wood. I mean, I hope everything goes great for Walt. He's such a wonderful person to talk to. He's on the board of Hero Initiative with us, actually. Um, And uh, we've had some great people on the board and we have great people on the board now. But Jim McLaughlin was talking to Mark Alessi. Uh, Jim McLaughlin uh, is the president of Hero Initiative now, but uh, did a, a lot and probably the best uh, rendition of Wizards uh, letters pages. He was great. Uh, he's a real fan. Uh, he was with Mark Alessi, who at the time owned CrossGen. Um, and they were at a baseball game and they brought up the fact that there's a uh, fund for players that are, you know, got hurt early or I don't know enough about sports, but yeah, you know, the Give ones that need money get money. He said, why don't we have this for our comic creators? You know, the yeah. writers and the artists. And yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, they went for it and it's turned into a very, very incredibly beautiful thing. I you know, mean, I mean, even if you want to go to their website and just give them a dollar, right? Um, it helps because think about it. If everybody that in our hobby gave a dollar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there'd be, you know, millions of dollars in this fund. Oh, heck. Yeah. Yeah. We have, hey. a, we have a church near us that put up a big, um, a huge basketball court for the, for the community. And all they ask for is every one time you come in, just put a dollar in the one bin. Right. to help pay the expenses of having this million dollar building constructed. So um, we always say when we practice here, everyone brings their dollar, you know, every kid yeah. 10 bucks a day from our group and 10 from the next group. So that's a good idea. Right. And what's really cool is that unlike most charities, we only have two employees that get paid and our office is the coffee shop <laughs> around the corner. So we don't spend money on that. So it goes to where it's supposed to go. Like, you know, remember the Wounded Warrior thing? It was like uh, 8% was going to vets and 92% to the people who ran it. Yeah. So I check out every charity I do. I'm big on St. Jude's. I've I've helped them do uh, uh, art auctions in New York and Chicago with Mike Nagin, uh, who's another great person for the hobby. Um, and he works for Reed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, we have to treat each other well on this planet. I mean, look, I'm an old hippie. I believe in peace and love and, and not hurting anybody and helping people and not lying. And, uh, it's strange, you know, you know, I was gonna say, it's interesting. Like when you hear about the story of this hero initiative and you think like, think about like all the great artists from centuries ago right like vincent van gogh his paintings now go for tens of hundreds of millions of dollars 
Right. During his life, though, he had nothing. And he yeah. kind of was just like bumming around. And like, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of these artists, like none of their paintings go for anything until they're gone. And right. this is essentially what's happened to these people that the hero initiative is like they had to kind of work for hire as they could, and people made money off of them, you know, but like no one ever took care of them. Um, so it's 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 a great it's great to see you know that you guys are doing this. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, no I, mean, I, I, I no, feel very uh, privileged that I can do this. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it makes me feel good. I, I I always say that if I would accept if I needed charity, you know, God forbid, um, I would take it. So if I would take it, why wouldn't I give it? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I definitely check out the charities first. I do a lot of research. Yeah, I, I think what is the average status? Something like eighty percent of dollars donated don't go go to like the yeah the, the CEOs and, yeah. and advertising and yeah and that's just wrong, man. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's I every time I watch YouTube to watch a um, you know comic discussion or a podcast or a YouTube podcast, there's always a Saint Jude. Um, yeah. advertisement. So, uh, I, I, my, my son, it was uh, a wish kid. He did a wish oh, trip. Really? So we have, we have donated more to make a wish because we had involvement with that. I, I know they may not give as much back as maybe others, but we had a pretty close connection with, with wish and, you know, we would do radio ads for them and whatnot, uh, after my mm-hmm. son got, you know, as he got older, but, um, yeah, so it's, it, it means a lot whenever you can see who, who's affected by it. And then you want to give back for what you got, you know, the benefits that you you had. So, um, you know, once you get, you want to give back and, and yep. keep giving back. So make a wish so. is pretty good, though. Um, it's funny. Uh, it's nothing to do with comic books. <laughs> um, I was at a Grateful Dead concert in Maryland uh, many years ago, and they encored with uh, Ripple, which they hadn't done in ages and people were freaking out but then i found out that it was some young kid who was not going to live very long and he wanted to hear that live in concert oh nice yeah it it was really really sweet i i tell you one thing when i think about you know like everyone wants to be rich and famous but when i see you know going to children's hospital or going to make a wish and these these celebrities who can put a smile on a kid's face is i would i would trade that to be that person just to give the smile not the money they have the girlfriend right. the boyfriend right. whoever it's the smile they give the kid is is priceless because who else could deliver that you know i mean yeah. the parents but you know their friend but john cena's here you know right. or or uh the guy you know toby mcguire you name it and it's just it's crazy so uh right. yeah, it could they, be anybody that they you know idolize you know, yeah, it's, it, just, it's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. So anything you can give back to uh, people go through tough times and, and to be able to give back when you can. And then, you know, if you do receive to be able to give back tenfold what you got, I sure. think that's, that's a good thing to, uh, to I strive mean, for. you know, even Steve Jeppe, uh, you know, Gemstone, the price guide uh, and Bob Overstreet and Jeff Bond, uh they put out a limited edition price guide just for the hero initiative. Oh, it's limited to like, I don't know, 500 copies or something like that. And that's the price guide I buy um, because I want to give to charity. Yeah. Right. And it's also limited edition. So 
if it's, you know, if it's worth money later on, that's cool, you know, but, uh, you know, the whole hobby's pretty much into it. No, I think that's the one thing's getting back into the hobby. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, being honest and, and why people who you want to work with and saying who the right people are. I remember being young and being, you know, kind of pushed around at, at the shows and now coming back in the, in the IG community, the YouTube community has been so welcoming and so mm-hmm. helpful, right? It's own, their own little charity to help you, us, myself, get back into this hobby and enjoy it for the right things and then having the right type of people to look up to to be helpful. Uh, right. you, have to, about- you have to be very careful on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, there's these, uh, what are they calling them? Um, in- influencers. influencers yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. And I've watched Rohan's a huge people- influencer. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you should, you got to take a step back. It's not about your personality and it's not about the money. And these people, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them are saying, you know, this book is going to be worth this and blah, blah. And they get people to pay way over what the market is. And mm-hmm. it disgusts me. I mean, they could they could have bought that book on Comic Link for, you know, you know much less money. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, they're promoting the books that they have as the top 10 list. And, and you know, yeah. some of them are, are entertaining and I, I, I enjoy it for that part of it. And a lot of it is, you know, my my background is is financial and stock market. So mm. I get the speculation part of things and the growth part of things. But some of it can be driven by specific people. You know, right. I mean, there's really- guys uh, or women that'll put up uh, like a Roy Rogers one in six saying this is a great investment. It's number one from the fifties and Roy Rogers will live forever. You know, it, it, it will be remembered forever. I can't sell that book, Mm-mm. you know, no. and then they get somebody to buy it. Um, it's a, it's a bad investment. We don't want to put people into bad investments. Right. I think the, the best advice is you collect what you like. Yep, and that if you're stuck and with that what book, you can afford, tr- true. Yeah, yeah. Don't put it on a credit card, right? Uh, you know that kind of stuff. You know because know you what never you're know into. if a market. You know, let, let's say we have a real depression in this country. Um, I write this in Overstreet uh, every year. I, I say, uh, if you've read my reports before, stop reading. This <laughs> is for the new people, and I explain that you know you can't house your family with comic books if there's a real depression, or if you lose your job and you have to sell it quick, it, you, you're going to lose money. Um, uh, and it's just if you can afford it, buy it. Um, or if somebody gives you long time time payments without interest, that's great too. Um, but you know, stay in your budget and buy what you love because you'll enjoy the hobby so much better. And you also have to remember it it is really about uh, if you love the hobby, not just the comics, it's really about the friends you make. I would trade every piece of art I own to keep the friends I've made in this hobby. That's awesome. It's, I said, it's a great community. It is the right ones in the community, right? There's always bad, bad, bad seeds, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, wherever there's money, there is. I mean, yeah, um, 
you know, remember uh, what was his name? Jerry Ross and Robert Crystal or Crystal. I mean, they were in Canada <laughs> raping people, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just like sending you a book that they say is a near mint and it's a VF and it's color touched and or oh. pages missing. And then because they were in Canada, they were like, screw you, sue me, you know. <laughs> and you back, it'll cost you more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they wouldn't take it back. Um, it was crazy. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there's uh, Greg Wright, White right now. He's at convention still. He doesn't have a certified book. He sells an AF-15 to somebody who doesn't know. They think they're getting a deal. And they send it to CGC or CBCS. They find out it's restored or it's missing coupon. And they go back and he says, sue me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if anyone who's had any dealings with the, the attorneys and the law, it isn't that simple as I'm going to sue you because it costs you money to get yep. involved and you'll be out the money you thought you were going to get back. So that's exactly the, that, that's the barrier to entry right there. So it's uh, they, he knows the game from what you're saying. And uh, yeah. And that's the thing. You sell a book on eBay and the person says, I've seen this on a couple YouTube videos. Uh, Ryan from Mint Hunter is talking about skips it out. The guy doesn't like the book. The guy or girl doesn't like the book and they want their money back. Well, eBay gives them the money back. Right. And then they don't send back Ryan his book. Right. Uh, I mean, so, eBay has become a flea market and not a place where I would yeah, suggest you, people uh, look for books. If you're smart enough and you've been around the hobby long enough, you can pick the right uh, sellers and follow them. But you should do your research when yeah. you meet uh, a, a seller. JP and I have talked about this. We did an episode on like kind of the things we wish we knew when we first started. It's like when you first come back in, like for us, you know, we were out of it for 30 plus years. We come back. You kind of naturally like, okay, where am I going to find these older comic books that I want? And it just kind of everyone naturally thinks of eBay. eBay's got all this stuff. So you just, you find them on eBay and you're like, well, okay, this is where I got to buy them. And you buy from there. And it's like, until we got like involved on like the comic book community on Instagram, you can follow these sellers directly and mm -hmm. create relationships with them and like be like, hey, I'm looking for a Fantastic 412. It's like, oh, I don't have it, but I know, you know, so-and-so has it. He's a great guy. And like, and then it's like you bypass all those fees and all these things. So it's like, you're totally right. Like, I agree. Like, I... I have no interest now in buying comic books on eBay just because it's like there's so you can find just everything cards. you want to find. Yeah, well, cards there's no other market for. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, but like with the comics, it's like I can just scroll my Instagram feed and find what I want and like be directly connected to who I'm buying it from. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Instagram, I don't know, your consignment people are you talking about on Instagram? Steve, is that someplace that you would recommend that can like elite comics, um, you know, like you're talking, like I, I wouldn't consign anything to somebody who's going to put it on Instagram. Um, I mean, Comic Link gets more views, right. you know, uh, so does some other people. Um, but it's we have the exchange where you don't have to put it into the auction, which is fantastic, and then we have the auction for the stuff See? that explodes, and we've been getting record prices. Well, and that's yes, the concern. I, I was, I never did any auctions, right? And so as I got back to the hobby, I happened to fall upon a local auction and they had some comic books there that I bought for a song, $16 for a run of Hulk books 
you nice. know, had, uh, had a couple of nice ones in there. And then I'd go back and it, it is quite the rush to do the auction, right? In person or live, mm-hmm. let's say if it's live on video, because I know the people that come every week and I know what they're into roughly. So I know that when we, they do a table, right? There's a table full of items and it might be a comic book, a baseball card and, you know, uh, tools like for <laughs> mechanic tools. Yeah. And I know the guy bidding on a mechanic tool. He wants that pretty bad. So I'm going to hold back and let him bid that up and not pay overpay for this comic. Right. But when it's just one book for sale and you've got all these people going after it, like you said, record prices, because that drive that you want to get that book. Um, well, a lot of, really- no, a lot of things go at market. Which right, is but I mean, what people care just, about as long as they're not losing money, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And so I turn down a lot of material if I don't think they can do well with us. I send them, you know, if they have a lot of bulk and we don't do bulk, I send them to uh, Buddy Saunders, uh, who's a great friend and one of the first in fandom. And he buys the bulk. And uh, I helped a collector and I helped a friend. Yeah, that's, I, I think that, you know, you kind of, you, when you get back in a hobby, you kind of, you, like you said, you watch the influencers and they may be steering the wrong direction of where you need to find these at. So I'm glad we had you on at least to help, help myself. Cause uh, I've done, I have more luck at the conventions cause I like to trade with the guys that are there. Right. right? But then I like to go to antique stores and auctions to find that rush of finding that book that I know of and someone doesn't and whatnot. Um, but then every once in a while, I'll use eBay just to find, you know, piece something out. I, I, you know, I can't find anywhere else because where I'm located at doesn't give me many options. There's not many. There's no comic book shop near me. So hmm. uh, I'm kind yeah, of but I mean, like, you know, like MCS is a great subscription service. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, you, you could use them and not worry about ebay yeah right. i agree i i, um, I took me horror stories uh, my daughter wanted a pair of uh airpods or something and everyone listed was from hong kong and i'm like right, we're not buying right. from there right <laughs> exactly <laughs> <somebody> yeah <laughs> so yeah you never know what you're gonna get yeah uh, real quick steve i want to ask going back to comic link if you guys sell like something that's a premier item on auction they have to send it to you and you guys house it and then ship it to whoever buys it correct right and it's completely insured with us of yeah. course but like on the exchange like if jp mm-hmm. and i wanted to sell a book on the exchange we hold on to it until it sells is that how that works or do we have to send that to you right you have to be approved to get on the exchange oh, okay you know? so you know send me an email or send comic yeah. link an email um you know, so you have your approval I mean, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm always working. Um, but uh, um, I mean, this isn't work. This is fun. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the exchange is just a really cool place. Uh, sometimes people overprice things. Uh, if they're way, way overpriced, we usually tell them, you know, look, this isn't going to work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys get on, get down to it that close to say, hey, man, you're not going to. Yeah, not because, sell it. Uh, you know, the, it'll sit there for a year, not sell. And then the guy will say, oh, the exchange didn't work for me. Well, yeah, I was going to say, that's your guys' reputation. 5,000, you were asking yeah. 10. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then that guy says like, oh, I tried using Comic Link. I couldn't sell anything on there. And it's like, no, bro, like you. It's yeah. your fault that you didn't sell yet. No, I think that, that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, we're one of the top two in, in the world. There's a reason for that. 
Yep. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I didn't realize that because, you know, the guys I deal with at the local auction, you ask them questions and, you know, I'll you can do silent or, or uh, absentee bids. But I don't know if he's really trying to get the deal for me. And every once in a while, I win something when I wasn't there for it. But if I knew for sure that he's not, nah, John, you know, we, we can't you can't get this for that price. You're going to have to go up higher or, hey, if I'm going to sell stuff there, the you know, to, to get that information firsthand from from you guys, the experts, I think that's well, that, that's, yeah, that's what's important. A lot of people will email me and say I have a collection and I basically email back. Uh, do you have a list, of course, or and can you send some pictures so I can check out grades? Uh, I can't grade from a scan, but I get an idea, right? But then I ask them to give me a call, and we usually end up having somewhere between a 20-minute to an hour discussion uh, about, you know, is Comic Link the right place for them? If not, where is... Uh, you know, or like I said, you have to manage expectations. The guy thinks the book's worth fifty thousand. I think it's going to sell for forty. I don't want to take that in. Um, I don't want them bad mouthing me. I mean, almost everything. I almost all uh, the people who call me or, or email me, uh, it's from word of mouth. People saying, "Oh my God, Steve!" You know never lied to me, did everything he would said he would do. He promoted, he went above and beyond when I was worried. He talked to me about this. And um, it, it that's how you keep your, you know, reputation in the hobby. Yeah, definitely. That's a professional, you know, site. That's not, you know, we're not just fly by selling things and trying to make a buck. We're trying to, you know, make it an experience. And and in, in my in my profession, my my day, my nine to five profession, if you're not a fit and I'm not a fit, it is I'm not trying to get every piece of business. I want to make right. sure there's a fit. There's exactly. Bad mouth, word of mouth, all that. So yep. that's a you good mean, point. You know, it was crazy. I uh went on uh you know Instagram, Facebook, and and did one or two uh podcasts when I joined Comic Link. So I kept reading the comments because I kept waiting for somebody to say, oh, I hate Steve Borok or I hate Comic Link or blah, blah, blah. We didn't get one. Wow. Nice. I was like blown away because this is social media. People talk. Yeah, yeah. There's always right? someone negative. Yeah, I, I right. say like uh, social There's media. Somebody. The comment section is like the cesspool of human idiocy. Yeah. And uh, I was at the WonderCon this weekend. And I hadn't seen some most of these people since before COVID. And they were so happy I'm at Comic Link. I, I, I didn't get anything but accolades. Uh, and same thing about the people who work there and Josh Nathanson, the president. Um, it, it was amazing. Uh, it was nothing like being online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it was it was really good. So Steve, I have a fun question for you. Uh, okay. And uh, I, you know, I love hearing these like, numbers and things like that. What's the most expensive book you've sold on uh, that's been sold on Comic Link? Ooh, I do not know. Oh. Um, do you know some? Do you know some like high dot? Like, what are some of the top ones? Oh wow! I mean, I've only been there what seven weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, you could check the record sales. Okay. Um, we keep that up. Hey, go to where it says, um, 
I think, yeah, auctions, and then hit that, and it'll scroll down to auction results, and it'll take you to the last auction, or you can press uh, 2021 to see what it sold for then. It's really cool. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm always interested to hear these kind of, I like, I like reading these stories on these big books and what they go for, and I think it's super fun to watch. Yeah, the most expensive book I ever bought was uh, in the 90s. I spent $115,000 uh, on a Morphun 52 church copy, the first Spectre. Uh, the, uh, I was on the plane, and I was holding the book, looking at, looking at it, loving it. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I could have bought a house. <laughs> Yep. But you know, that sold for what I think uh two forty after I sold it. So yeah. guy made quite a bit of money. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, you still have that book or have you sold it since? No, no, I said I sold it and made that oh. money. Oh, okay, right. okay. Okay. Yeah. What but, are uh, so of the you collect original art, you collect some stuff now. What is what are some of your personal favorite pieces that you have? Well, I sent you one which of one is my collection, the Starman seven cover. Stop. Oh yeah, by Tony Harris. Oh, it's me and Josh. Oh, go back, man. That's cool. That's Josh and I when we were so much younger. Look how much hair we had. Oh yeah, and how much oh. heavier I was. And I'm wearing a Betty and Me '16 shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Oh, sorry. Anyway, so well. the Tony Harris piece um, is you know my personal collection. I don't ever there want to get out of it. Wait, which one is it? Right there. Starman. No, uh, the Starman Seven cover. It's uh, huh? Maybe I I could have sworn I sent it over, but uh, maybe I didn't. And yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I'm just in love with the uh, original art, but especially the multi uh, media uh, stuff. You know, watercolor, all that. Like I said, I love Stuart Sager's work. Jesco, who's a good friend of mine, I love his stuff, you know. Um, and like, even, you know, my friend, well, he's gone, uh, it's a shame, but Neil Adams, uh, it, it, a lot of it was black and white, and I loved it. But then he showed me the recreation he did. Uh, I think it was the one from the Batman Treasury with Razagol. Um, it just like popped and I was like, oh, I want it, but I can't afford it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I bet there's a lot of original art that, I mean, uh, it, you could fill up a wall with, you know, your favorite artists and, you know, just go broke bankrupt trying to buy it, go broke trying to buy, well, buy all of it. Cause it's just, it's, it'd be phenomenal. JP, did you, did you see um, there? So there's a, so Jason, have you met um steve so errol's got a good friend jason his feed is a mega collects he's a big original art guy and so he had me follow this it's comic art comics art connect or something like that on instagram they sell original comic art. comic art fans is the is a pretty cool place okay I'm I, not I can't sure. it's bill cox's uh anyways what i was gonna say today was it today or was it yesterday they posted the original art was the cover of What's that? That Marvel Age, the Todd uh -huh. Marlin cover of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, 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 And so, like, I, I said to Jay, like, oh, I was like, you buying this? He's like, I wish, man. That's like, that's going to be like eighty to to $100,000 for that thing. Like, oh, how oh, sweet yeah. would that be? 
the Spider-Man oh, cover yeah, from cool. Marvel Age 90? Yes, that one, yeah. Yeah, the Todd yeah, McFarlane one. That's, uh, yeah, that's killer. We have some great Todd McFarlane stuff coming up, yeah. too, so that's cool. Oh, the other we always seem sure to have some McFarlane. Uh, we got lucky. You know, yeah. Well, we didn't get lucky. Uh, Josh has worked you know, most of yeah. his life towards this, building the reputation, building uh, you know, the high prices that, you know, we realized for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I stopped buying artwork that I wasn't going to frame. Mm. Um, now frame the, meaning like you take it and you get it professionally framed. Right. You know, you're yeah, like that's, safe and all that. Yeah. Right. All that's, yeah. Um, so there's another cost involved to, the purchase itself plus the uh, protection yeah. part of it too right? right but i had a bunch no of stuff that i just bought because i thought it was cool and i was like you know i'm not looking at this portfolio so let me sell it and buy something i like and yep. i just bought the zatanna 2 cover by stefan rowe oh nice it's beautiful gorgeous and i love zatanna i mean who doesn't yeah, yeah. Um, so Steve, let me ask you as you know, we're probably coming to the end here. We're almost at an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Obviously, I'm sorry if I took up so much time. No, no, we, this is, this is kind of average for us. It always ends up at, at this point. So we're, this is all we're nerds. Point. We could talk all yeah, day, talk all all night day. about this stuff. Cool. But, um, you obviously love the hobby. You want to oh, see the, you want to see the hobby grow. You've already talked about your grandkids. Are your grandkids into comics? Yes. And it was really cute. Um, Atticus, the four-year-old, uh, was Spider-Man, uh, well, he's about to be five, but uh, was Spider-Man for two years. And I was like, that's so cool, you know? I love Spidey, Atticus, you know, the whole did bit. You get cool him into it or did, they, did you get him into it or did they naturally just get involved? or? or had... I think a little bit for me, but I was in Dallas most of the time they were growing up. That's why I came home, right? Um, but, uh, he calls me up and before the, before Halloween this year, and he says, uh, Poppy, uh, is I don't think I want to be Spider-Man this year. And I'm like, kind of bumming, you know, but I'm like, who cares, man? He's a kid. Let him be who he wants. Right. I said, so what do you want to go as? He goes, can I go as Iron Man? I was like, <laughs> You know, no problem. You know, <laughs> that's fine with me. Yeah. So awesome. you know, I've been playing hero clicks with them, not the game, just playing with the little yeah. stuff because my daughter was into the hero clicks when she was very young, and I put them away in a box, and I had this giant box, and my granddaughter wants the girls, and my grandson wants the boys, so there's no fighting, and then we play, and it's so much fun. And I explain their powers and stuff. Um, it's just a blast. Uh, you know, I want to keep the next generation going. Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting, what I got, we got out of it, like we mentioned earlier, but my kids were born right when Iron Man was coming out. Oh, know, yeah. That, and so I have all the toys that they, that they had, you know, like we bought them because I was into it, but not into the comics. But I knew that had to be part of their growing up is the superheroes and the costumes and the stuffed animals. And it wasn't comics, but the toys. Right. And so it never really left me. And and they got 
not indoctrinated, but they it's it's hard not to become a fan of that stuff because absolutely it, it's the imagination. It's so much involved with yeah. that. So and when um, you get the bug, I mean, you get it. Yeah, you know, you, like you can't. I, remember, just, I mean, look at JP and I. Like we said, we got back into this a year ago, or not even a year ago, and we're doing a podcast now. Like the bug yeah, has it's gotten cool, us. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's cool. You know. Yeah, and I've said and, on this. And you guys call me anytime you're going to buy a book or look at a piece of original art or something. Um, you know, uh, I'll always help you out. You know, yeah, I, awesome. I don't I don't yeah. care where you're buying it from. Um, I just want the hobby to be healthy. Yeah, you know? I appreciate that because that's you can go down a bad path and get deal with deal with some bad people like we talked about earlier. So um, yeah. I think more people need to be um, turned on to what you're talking about to 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 look to you for guidance and, and to be able to, to keep this hobby going because you have too many shysters. People will get out of it. They'll be done. It won't yep. be a hobby anymore. It won't be worth, you know, this paper won't be worth anything. So we need good people. So, yeah, I mean, we're lucky that it's modern day mythology and it's been around since 38, basically, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Superheroes. And, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's addicting, but it's also fascinating, you know, you think about, you know, mythology, you know, what people would call mythology, you know, you think about Zeus and all that, but we've even incorporated that in the comics, you know, oh, yeah. Thor and Loki and everybody. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool. some great storytelling that, that has over thousands of years grown and it's really hard to tell an original story, but you can make an original story even better by adding new you know, new, new parts to it. So yeah. that's what I think is cool about, you know, I was a big Terminator fan, you know, Terminator and Total Recall yeah. and the Matrix came out and it was a different take on that original movie, you know, Terminator and Total Recall. And it was a, one of the best movies I've ever seen. And it was not that original, but they made it better. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, that's what you can do, you know, mm -hmm. take a little imagination, creativity and. You know, actually real quick too, Steve, let's just put you to this. So, Today, I am talking with a guy on doing like a, a trade deal for a Fantastic 412, which is the first oh, nice. Hulk, Great uh, Hulk yeah. thing crossover. And he has both a UK price variant and the regular American. Do you think I should? Uh, well, what the word of the grades? Well, they are a bit lower grades. They're both they're both around 2.0s. They're graded though? Uh, one is the UK price variant, I think, is graded. The US one is raw. The Royal one I'd be careful of yeah. um, because AF-15s are notorious for color touch. Yeah. Um, if he sends it on approval, you know. And... Well, not, it's not if it's FF-12. Oh, sorry, sorry. I uh, I don't know why I went there. Brain fart. What can you do? <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the F I, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just without seeing the book in hand i won't buy or make uh an offer or tell people to consign it without really seeing them in hand okay let's just say if you had two comparable books we'll just say whatever books and you had uk price variant and do you have any preference that, like do you like uk price variants or anything I'm oh sure. i love them uh yeah. they're rarer than their the counterparts and that one's but, too so yeah but there's a lot of people who want the American, they're like, that's the original. Meanwhile, they were printed at the same time and just has a different little price thing. 
you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually don't own any UK price earners, so it'd be kind of fun to this be my first one potentially. Yeah, as long as you're not paying too much. But like I said, we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a book that. I want to ask you about. Because sure. I don't know much about it, but I'm just going to ask. Since you mentioned Grateful Dead, I'm going to put this book up here. I don't know oh if you've ever God. seen this book at all. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I got an auction I won that came in the mail, and that was one of the books. And I looked online to see about it. And it's a reprint from the 60s, I think. Yeah. But this was in the 90s that they made this book. Right. So I don't know if I'm not saying it's valuable. But yeah. it's, it's definitely a different type of comic book than I'm used to seeing. So it was a, it's a cool looking book. I'll tell you that. So, yeah, that's great. That so, is cool. But yeah. um, let me see. Um, do you guys have any other questions or can I? Uh, no, we are. No, I think that's. Are, okay, have been so, schooled and I really appreciate it. So, yeah, oh, no, no we, like I said, Steve, I mean, like the hobby grows with good people because of people like you that. You know, not just me. I mean, you got to remember these. Well, yeah, but, but people like you are putting that out there. Industry, that, like, yeah. Gary Weist, everybody, you know, uh, Chuck Woolley. I mean, they, they, you know, these guys were the hobby, man. You know, uh, they really created stuff. I mean, the, the fanzines and everything were, you know, mimeographed. And, you know, 13 people were on that list, right? You know, um, and the EC guys used to trade back and forth with just an envelope and they'd fold the book in half, put it through the mail because they just wanted to read it. They would oh, just yeah. trade the ones that they've read. You know, it, 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 there's so many more important people that came way before me and, uh, and will be after me as well, more important. But, uh, you know, I, I always tell people I'm just a hobbyist that got lucky and making a living. You know, yeah, that's awesome. But uh, so, if you don't mind, before we end, I'd I'd like to um, mention that people should definitely go to Comic Link. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they could email me at s orock b o r o c k at comiclink.com, even if they just have questions, even if if they don't want to sell, and they can follow me on Instagram under Steve Borock. Follow me on Facebook under Steve Borock. I'm always posting cool books and yeah. neat stuff. Um, and I pers per per personal stuff, mostly like family or something yeah. I picked up at a convention. Like I just yeah, and, up, I, uh, and, I, and I'll say like to everyone that's listening, right? I mean, that's exactly how Steve and I got in touch. I just messaged yeah. him and he was gracious enough to, to respond back. And here we are. And so, so don't be, don't be shy. No, yeah, I, nobody should be shy. If they see me at a convention, they have a question. A guy just pulled me over to look at two Golden Age books this weekend, and uh, he knew me only from Instagram, but he saw my face, and he said, these aren't certified. Can you check them for restoration for me? And they were big books. And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and next thing I know, I got a text thanking me, not just from him, but the guy who was selling it. Nice. You know, awesome. and, it, you know, I didn't care. I wasn't making any money, but, you know, we all need to connect. We used to put these giant dinners together at Gibson's in Chicago. And Neil Adams would go, Just Goes Gone, you know, all these people. Um, Maggie Thompson, uh, you know, uh, Gary Colabono, who started the Chicago, Chicago show with his friends, Boondog. Um, and then just hobbyists. And like this great guy, Wynn, would bring his restored action one 
and it wasn't certified. And he let everybody look through it, which was amazing because there were people there that were novices that heard about the dinner and wanted to come on board. And uh, they just go crazy. They were like, I'm seeing an action one, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's beautiful. And then you talk to them about the hobby and explain the pitfalls or the good stuff. And it, it works for everybody. You know, rising tides lifts all boats. hundred percent. Yep. That's yeah. very true. Uh, very well, true. Thanks, thanks for coming on, Steve. We, oh, we thanks really for having it. me. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And uh, I want to thank everybody who's watching. Um, and I hope you all just have a fantastic, fantastic year in this hobby. And if you see me at shows, just go up and say hello, man. Will do. Yeah. I'm hoping I see this at a show. And uh, for those that are, you know, lucky enough to see it one, say hi to Steve. And uh, Steve, again, thanks for coming out and helping us out and uh, schooling us on uh, on the history of, uh, of comics. And, and tell me where to go next using Comic Link. I'll yeah. be on the site sooner than later so well, just call it very me. much i'll take yeah. i'll walk you through it you know okay we'll do everybody should bid on comic link i mean i wouldn't have gone there if it wasn't fantastic and honest yeah I, awesome well thanks steve everyone have a great rest of your night great rest of your day Good. thanks for watching hit us up on the uh social Good, media y'all. find steve anywhere on ig and uh thanks again everybody have a good day yeah. peace out take care thank you